Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc. Heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. All right, we are the Consumer Review Report, which deals with consumer issues. And so that's pretty much what we'll be doing today. And of course, with the biggest news out there, the coronavirus, the COVID-19 crisis, we'll be dealing with consumer issues and how that's impacted by all this today. Got a lot to talk about. And um, so I guess we should get on with it because I don't even know if I'm going to have time for everything that I have to talk about today. So... But before I start, I just want to let you know that there is a special show coming up on Tuesday, March 31st at 6 p.m. called the Community Forum with Diane Rebecca, in which uh, we'll be taking phone calls on your comments and your experiences during this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, We want to know things like... Are you at home with your kids now, and how is that going? Uh, What are you teaching them? How are the kids adapting? Uh, If you own your own business, how are you going to recover? If you work in a business that's shut down, are you signing up for unemployment? And how do you feel about not being at work? Uh, Do you wish the Pirates are playing? And how did you feel about the NCAA March Madness tournament being canceled. So you can even add subjects to that if you would like. Your comments and your experiences can help other people going through the same thing. So help other people. Call the studio line at 412-385-7450. That's 412-385-7450. Tuesday, March 31st uh, between 6 p.m. and 7 And so let's talk about it. So on the show, uh, of course, the biggest news has been the coronavirus for a couple of months now. And all of our lives have changed drastically within the last couple of weeks or so here in western Pennsylvania and in Allegheny County. Uh, So since we deal with consumer issues here on this show, I'll talk about how the coronavirus impacts the consumer. Everything from scams to how buying habits will be impacted, how companies are making positive contributions to the madness, and uh, we'll also hear from the Wall Street Journal about traveling being cheaper, but should you book? Yeah, they're talking about traveling even though people are saying stay home, stay home. Uh, But it's so much cheaper because they really need the business, right? Especially Las Vegas has been devastated. And so, if we have time, uh, I'll also talk about what you might need if you need to be quarantined at home. Uh, We're going to put the recent recalls at the end of the show, if even we have time for them. Um, We may not do them at all. Because I think this subject is way more important. So let's go on to local coronavirus news. This was in the Tube City Almanac, Tube City Online, Friday, entitled COVID-19 Cases Increase, Mon Valley Not Spared, written by Jason Toger. 
Uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19 have been reported in several Monyak area communities and public health officials said now is not the time to become complacent. On Friday, Allegheny County officials said there are now 158 confirmed cases with 25 people hospitalized. There have been two deaths attributed to COVID-19, including a woman from Greenfield and a man from Clarendon. Now that was Friday's numbers. As of now, today, which is Sunday, there are 265 confirmed cases and 35 hospitalized in Allegheny County. The death count remains the same at two. Now on Friday, statewide officials confirmed 531 new cases of COVID-19 in Pennsylvania, bringing the total to 2,218 cases and 22 deaths. Now, as of today, Sunday, it's at 2,751 confirmed cases and 34 deaths. And then also on Friday, there were 30 confirmed cases in Westmoreland County, and Governor Tom Wolf has added Westmoreland to a list of counties where all non-essential businesses have been ordered to close to the public. Again, that was Friday's numbers. Uh, Today, Sunday, there are now 41 cases in Westmoreland County. In the Monoc area, there are confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Braddock, Glassport, East McKeesport, Elizabeth Township, Monroeville, West Mifflin, and Wilkins Township, <clears throat> according to county officials. Uh, Paul Falavolito, chief of White Oak EMS and Deputy Emergency Management Coordinator for the borough said the absence of confirmed cases should not be taken as a sign that novel uh, coronavirus isn't spreading. It may mean that local residents are having milder cases of COVID-19 or that they haven't gone to a doctor or hospital for treatment, he said. Even though McKeesport, White Oak, South Versailles are all at zero, that doesn't mean there are no cases, he said. It doesn't mean that's an indication that you should go out, and that's still very much important to emphasize. A source told Tube City Almanac that at least three COVID-19 cases are being treated at UPMC McKeesport Hospital. County health officials said they could not confirm any specific cases at community hospitals and UPMC Media Relations said the health system is not releasing details about which hospitals may be currently treating COVID-19 patients. Uh, It goes on to say this article, both both locally and statewide, the majority of the cases being reported, about 39%, are in people ages 25 to 49, but people requiring hospitalization are generally 50 and older, officials said. However, cases have been reported in every age group. Pennsylvania State Police have so far issued 14 warnings in western Pennsylvania to businesses that refused to close in compliance with the governor's order, according to reports released by Troop A Greensburg and Troop B Washington. More than 1,600 tests for novel coronavirus have been administered in the county, and about 8% of those have been positive, county officials said. In cooperation with the United Way's 211 system, Allegheny County has set up a toll-free 24-hour hotline to field COVID-19 and coronavirus questions at 
888-856-2774. Again, that number is 888-856-2774. All right, so that's what's going on locally around here. So next we have uh, scams. What scams should you uh, watch out for, right? Because, of course, you know, everybody's got to take advantage of, uh, you know, a, a, a crisis. So, you know, we've got to figure out, okay, you know, if people are calling me with, a, a, you know, trying to sell me a test uh, that I could do at home, that might not be a, a viable product. Or if people are trying to uh, get donations from me, that might not be a viable donation to give that might be a scammer on the other end of that so let's go ahead and listen to the uh, uh, video that I got for YouTube it's called coronavirus scams to avoid in the coming months this was posted by Forbes so let's take a listen This stuff kills the whole SARS corona family at point blank range. Well, of course it does. It kills every virus. Well, the audio, I guess the video is uh, better than the audio is. So we'll go ahead and go to uh, Theo Joe's seven new coronavirus scams to watch out for. Don't fall for these. This was posted by Theo Joe. So let's take a listen. As you guys probably already know, scammers out there will take advantage of anything they can to be able to steal your money. And the whole coronavirus pandemic is no exception. They're using this as an opportunity to scare people into stealing their money. So in this video, we're gonna be going over seven examples of actual scams that are going around either online mostly, but also like text messages, phone scams that are using the coronavirus to scam people. So after this video, you'll have a better idea of what to watch out for so you won't fall victim to these. The first type of scam is an email going out that claims to be from the CDC or the WHO, so the Center for Disease Control or the World Health Organization, and it claims to have a list or a link to a list of cases in your area, and it highly advises you to go check out these cases so you're aware of it, but then it ends up being a phishing attempt. So for example, here's one email that says it's from the CDC and it says, uh, we're closely monitoring the outbreak, blah, blah, blah. And it says, updated list of new cases around your city are available at, and then it's a fake link, and then says you are immediately advised to go to the cases above for safety hazard. I mean, that's kind of an awkward sentence already, so that should clue you in. But first of all, the CDC doesn't just have a magical list of everyone's emails around the world that can just know their location and send out a list for everyone at once. It's just not gonna happen. If you do want to get a list of cases in your area, then you go to your local state 
health website or whatever and they should have a list there but you're not just going to get a random email advising you definitely you have to go look at this link it's a scam and i don't know what the phishing page will look like but i'm going to assume that it's going to have something to do with like oh verify your info so we know your location then it requires you to put in stuff like your name address uh who knows credit card but probably social security number that sort of thing so any phishing type link from the cdc who be very very suspicious unless you specifically signed up for emails from them. All right, the next one is another type of email scam that is like health advice, but it has a download for something. So obviously a lot of companies, probably every company you've ever signed up for an email list for has been sending out these coronavirus updates for how they're addressing the virus. And those are legitimate, but there are some other spam emails going out that claim to be, oh, here's what you need to do to stay healthy. And then it's like a link to a download or something like that. And then it's either phishing or malicious software that is a virus. So for example, here's another email. It says, dear sir, I mean, all right, that's already a red flag right there. Go to the attached document on safety measures regarding the coronavirus. And then it's safetymeasures.pdf. All right, that should send up some red flags right there. Anything that's requiring you to download the safety measures in an email is probably a scam. Why not just include it in the email address or something like that? So definitely be extremely suspicious of any email that has some sort of advice or whatever requiring an actual download. Again, there are emails, plenty of emails going out from legitimate companies giving you advice on how to uh, stay healthy or whatever, but they're not gonna require you to download it or anything like that. All right, now the third type of fake email scam going out, you definitely have to be cautious of because on the surface it might seem legitimate and those are fake company policy update emails. So what these will do is it'll be a fake email claiming to be from your company and it'll say, here's our new workplace policy emails. Or it might say, here's how to work from home. You need to download the software, something like that. And you might think, oh, well, they know my company. They must, uh, it must be from my company and you don't check the email address. Whereas maybe they just went online and got a list of a bunch of different emails from that company and just mass sent it to everyone hoping that some people would believe it. So here's one example. It's an email that says, uh, dear all, due to coronavirus outbreak, the person who took the screenshot censored the company name is actively taking precautions, blah, blah, blah. And there's a link and it says the policy uh, is requiring all employees to read and acknowledge the policy before the current date. And then it says, if you have any questions, please contact whatever. And then presumably there's some sort of attachment or link to download. So if you get an email like this, it's very, very important to actually check the sender's email, make sure there's no like hidden typos in there or something like that. Or worst case scenario, check with your boss or whatever your management team and make sure that that's a legitimate email and don't like look at any attachments unless you're absolutely sure. But again, there could be a lot of variations to this. Like here's our new health policy for requirements for washing hands, something like that. Or it could say, oh, Oh, we're going to require you to work from home some days. Here's our new policy. Or it could even be, here's the software we want you to use to work from home. And considering so many people are working from home, that's a completely legitimate thing you might think. So, and then of course it'll just have you download either a virus or it could be a link to a legitimate work from home 
uh, remote control computer software like TeamViewer or something, but then it's tied to a scammer. So you could think, oh, well, TeamViewer, yeah, that's legitimate software, but again, the scammer could be taking advantage of it. So you have to be very, very vigilant and probably only get direct advice from your management team. Make sure you're verifying where all these emails are coming from. There's a lot of scams going around with this. Okay, the next type of scam is not so much a scam, but more of a hoax or a rumor in a text message form that has been going around since at least last week. And it claims to have some sort of insider information about your country, city, or state being shut down imminently. So for example, last week there was a text message going around that was saying, oh, the CDC, I have insider information. My friend works for the military. There was a lot of different variations saying, oh, in the next 72 hours, the country's gonna be locked down. You gotta go get food and stuff right now or else it's gonna, uh, you're gonna be stuck in your house. And then of course, none of that ended up being true because these text messages were sent out like last week and far more than 72 hours have passed. So they were a complete hoax. Now, how these started, who knows? Maybe it started with someone legitimately hearing from a friend who works in the military saying, oh, uh, I heard that this could happen. And then someone took that as, oh, it's gonna happen, and texted all their friends. And then they texted all their friends saying that they had insider information. So it's not hard to imagine how this happened. It could have started out completely legitimately with best intentions, but you know, one rumor turns into a fact to someone else and then it gets forwarded. And before you know it, the whole country thinks it's about to be locked down, even though it started with just a rumor. All right, the next scam that's been going around are any advertisements or websites claiming to have any kind of treatment or vaccine or cure for the coronavirus, which simply does not exist as we know of yet. And as you can imagine, there's probably a huge spectrum of this going on from people who are literally scammers selling sugar pills for all I know, saying this is the cure for coronavirus. And then you buy this super expensive product, and there's advertisements for it, all the way to people who legitimately think that their stupid essential oils they're selling can protect against it. And then of course, it's all nonsense. So anything claiming to be able to protect against the coronavirus specifically, or, oh, it's gonna cure it. No, that's stupid. It's not true. In fact, on March 9th, the FDA and FTC here in America announced that they actually went after seven companies who were selling fake cures of some kind. So these included products such as teas, essential oils, like I said, tinctures and colloidal silver. So anything basically people are saying can cure coronavirus, even though it's not true. Now, very obviously there are some drugs and treatments being explored by the FDA. Like one example is the chloroquine. A lot of people are looking at that. Even the president's been talking about it, but none of this is definitive. So don't be going out and buying stuff you think is gonna protect you and then certainly go out and about around sick people thinking you're protected. There was even one example of a guy very recently who was hearing about the whole chloroquine possible treatment and went and bought a different form of chloroquine, like chloroquine sulfide, I think, or something like that, which is in like fish tablets or fish tanks. He took it and then literally died because it's not even the same type of chloroquine that they're possibly using to treat people. So do not go out and buy these nonsense treatments. It Worst case, it can actually make you worse off and best case, it does nothing and you wasted your money. So wait until the evidence comes in and we actually know what could be used and in most cases, it'll probably be something you can only get in a hospital anyway. Okay, this next scam, I definitely think is gonna be a big one and it is stimulus check scams. So obviously in the United States, there's been a lot of talk about a bill possibly being passed soon that will give checks to literally every American, thousands of dollars, 
and it's to hold you over if you have trouble holding your job, whatever. Now, obviously, scammers are going to take huge advantage of this if they can by claiming to be the website or whatever that you have to get your check from and you sign up. There's already been text messages sent out claiming that you have to go to this link to get your $1,000 assistance check or there's also emails going out with the subject line, COVID-19 pandemic stimulus package. And for example, in the email one that I mentioned, there was a link to one that required you to put in your personal information, including your social security number, and then that would allow you to claim your $1,000 check. So it's all nonsense. It's just gonna steal your identity and stuff. But it might not just be text messages or emails. As you can imagine, you'll probably get a robocall saying, oh, here's your $1,000 check, which is ready. Just call back and give us this info to confirm it. And then they just steal it. So just be aware of that. I don't know how the whole stimulus check is gonna happen legitimately from the government. If it does, I'm sure that there will be announcements on how to legitimately get it. All right, now the final number seven scam to watch out for are investment related scams to coronavirus. So specifically, basically pump and dumps where you might get an email claiming to have a research report that says, oh, this micro cap penny stock that makes, I don't know, N95 masks, or they make a drug that's gonna be the cure and the government's researching it, blah, blah, blah. And then they try to get all the investors who they sent this spam email to, to buy into it. And then of course it pumps the stock up and then the people who sent out the fake email dump it when it goes up and then they make a nice fat profit from the dummies who actually believed it, probably not even researching if the company even does what this fake research report even says they do. So if you get any emails claiming to have some hot stock tip or research with a price target, oh, a price target of $1,000 from here, it's all nonsense. They just made up the number. Just ignore the email, delete it, report it for spam, and don't buy into any of that crap. So at least now you're a little bit more prepared in case any of these scams come after you. If you guys wanna keep watching, I made another video recently talking about some new scams in 2020, not related to coronavirus, just in general. So definitely check that out. So you you'll be aware of even more new scams that have been going around. So thanks so much for watching, guys, and I'll see you in the next video. All right, so I hope that gets you a little bit more educated on what is actually going out there, going out there as far as scams. There was an article in the Consumer Reports online, uh, How to Avoid Coronavirus Phishing Scams by Bree Fowler. Uh, she writes, watch out for a surge in emails from cyber criminals pitching COVID-19 health information and fake cures. As worries about the novel coronavirus and COVID-19 mount, cyber criminals are racing to capitalize on those fears with phishing emails designed to steal your personal information and your money, security experts say. The FBI, Secret Service, and World Health Organization have all recently issued warnings. With more and more people working from home this month, cyber criminals eager to gain access to corporate computer systems have joined the fray too. Some hint at the availability of a vaccine and other claims to be from charitable organizations looking to raise money for victims. To complicate things, plenty of legitimate coronavirus-related emails are circulating right now, making it easier to float malicious ones without drawing attention. Human resources departments are reaching out to employees about working from home, schools are updating parents on precautions and canceled events, and businesses are trying to ease customer concerns. So consumers need to be vigilant and use common sense before clicking on an email about the coronavirus outbreak. If a claim sounds too good to be true, 
It probably is. Here's a closer look at how to avoid coronavirus phishing scams. How the phishing scams work. According to Howes, his company detected its first coronavirus-themed phishing email, a spoof on missives from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, in early February. A month later, a half-dozen versions of the email were circulating. All directed recipients to fake or all directed recipients to fake forms or a website designed to steal login credentials. Cyber criminals have since crafted emails that appear to be from company HR departments, like the CDC phishing emails. Those also prompt the receiver to reveal login credentials. For cyber criminals, captured logins and passwords are valuable because they can be used to commit financial fraud or impersonate a legitimate user and access corporate computer networks. Access to a consumer email address may be enough to reset key passwords for banking and other financial accounts. Not all the emails seek credentials, though. Some distribute malware. In one version discovered by No Before researchers, the author asked for help finding a cure for coronavirus, urging people to download software onto their computers to assist in the effort. The download contains a virus capable of monitoring all activity on the device. And if that computer is logged into a business network, an attacker could potentially move throughout the system, sweeping up information. For many cyber criminals, gaining access to corporate computer systems is the chief goal. But, House says, consumer devices are enticing too, noting that people have been keeping more of their most private information on personal computers these days, and cyber criminals are adept at monetizing that. Now, here's how to avoid getting scammed. Here's some additional tips from digital security experts. Think before you click. Howe says the best thing consumers can do to protect themselves is just slow down. If something doesn't seem right about an email, just delete it. Ideally, before you open it, you're better off not taking the risk. Examine the link. Before you click on a link, try hovering your mouse over it. This will reveal the full address, which can expose signs of fraud. A .ru on the end, for example, means the site was created in Russia. .br means Brazil. Misspellings in URLs are another good tip-off to a fake website. If the URL says coronavirus spelled C-O-R-R-O-N-A-V-I-R-U-S-S dot com, it's best to avoid it. And if you get an email advertising a great deal on masks or hand sanitizer at a major retailer, open a window in your browser, search for the retailer's web address, and compare it with the one in your email. Don't assume that a website is legitimate just because its URL starts with HTTPS. Criminals like to use encryption too. Don't open attachments. They may contain malware. And you should never type confidential information into a form attached to an email. The sender can potentially track the info you enter. Guard your financial information. Be wary of emails asking for account numbers, credit card numbers, wire transfers, and 
failed transactions. There's no reason to share such info via message or an unsecure site. Turn on auto updates. This goes for your computer, smartphone, and tablets. Up-to-date antivirus software goes a long way toward stopping malware. And use security tools. Install an antivirus program on your device and keep it up to date. You can also use a website reputation rating tool, which comes in the form of a browser plugin, to warn you if you try to go to potentially dangerous websites. Cybersecurity companies such as McAfee, Kaspersky, and Norton LifeLock offer them. But keep in mind that these tools aren't foolproof. All right. So, we have another audio, and it's called Criminals Look to Exploit Coronavirus Anxiety with Fake Tests, Online Scams, and this was posted by CBS this morning. So, let's go ahead and take a listen. We have new information following our report last Saturday from inside the Secret Service office investigating coronavirus-related scams. On Friday, Attorney General William Barr urged the public to report these suspected criminals. The Attorney General had already told U.S. attorneys to prioritize these scams, and now the Justice Department is recommending each office establish a coronavirus fraud coordinator. Joining us once again is CBS News senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge. Catherine, good morning. Well, good morning, Dana. What we know since last week is through a senior FBI official who told us here in Washington that they have seen a significant spike in COVID-19 cyber scams across the nation. And what the Bureau anticipates is that these criminals, Dana, will zero in on the states with the highest rates of infection, Washington, New York, and California. And we also saw new evidence this week that the criminals are tracking the headlines. The FBI revealed to our investigative team that they're seeing new scams involving government relief checks, as well as scams that are targeting individuals who are working from home. And the maddening part about this, Catherine, is that it, the most vulnerable population to coronavirus are the ones who are being targeted by this. Um, so they're getting hit both ways here. What, what is the government doing right now to stop it? Well, one of the things that we're seeing are increased warnings from the federal government. We had some new images that were released this week by Homeland Security to show how they are interdicting what they believe to be counterfeit test kits that are coming into the United States. These test kits were intercepted at LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, and then they were handed over to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, for review. And then late last night, Jeff, the FDA put out what amounts to a national alert telling people that they are seeing these unauthorized test kits and they want the bottom line to be for folks at home that they haven't cleared anything so no green light from the FDA for anyone to sell these kits to folks to use for testing at home. Catherine, do we have any idea of how successful the scammers have been so far? Well, we couldn't get a dollar figure, Dana, from the FBI or the Secret Service about the extent of the scams. But I can tell you from two decades of reporting in this national security space that when you have the Attorney General of the United States coming out publicly and urging folks at home to report these scams and then mandating that U.S. attorneys make it the highest priority to prosecute these crimes 
And then you have, through our reporting here at CBS News, the Secret Service and the FBI so forward-leaning. That tells me that we have a significant amount of scam activity inside the United States that's really hijacked this theme of COVID-19. Hey, uh, Catherine, what should people be doing right now to help protect themselves? Well, Jeff, it can be really overwhelming for folks, but I think there are a number of things that you can do that are pretty simple. Number one, if you get something that is unsolicited, whether it's a text message or an email or a phone call with a COVID-19 theme, that is an automatic red flag. Number two, if you get these messages and there's a sense of urgency, sort of a demand to act immediately and to provide money upfront, either a deposit or a full payment, that's another red flag. And the third thing is that you can do your own reporting. You can be your own investigator. If someone calls you at home, take their name, ask for their phone number. Sometimes that's simply enough to stop them in their tracks. And if you get that name and phone number, go on the web, look up the organization, give them a call, ask them if this person is working for them. And if you get an email in your inbox that looks like it might be official, offering you advice about COVID-19, just take a careful look at the address because these scammers have addresses that look real, but it's usually off by at least one letter or one numeral. All right, Catherine, thanks very much. And anybody doing this, not that they're going to listen, but knock it off, yeah. it is sickening at this time. I know, I agree. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better uh, myself, actually. Yeah, so then we had another article uh, from the Consumer Reports online. It's entitled, Beware of Products Touting False Coronavirus Claims by Ryan Felton. Regulators and watchdogs warn consumers of hucksters playing on fares to make profits. When the televangelist and convicted fraudster Jim Baker started hawking a product called Silver Solution as a remedy for the coronavirus in mid-February, news organizations and consumer watchdogs quickly called him out. The Food and Drug Administration and the Federal Trade Commission were urged to take action against the product, which Baker and a guest on his show alleged could cure the novel virus within 12 hours. Late last week, the FDA and FTC warned Baker, along with several other companies selling similar products, that those claims are not supported by competent and reliable scientific evidence. You must immediately cease making all such claims. But as of Monday morning, Silver Solution, which can cost as much as $300, remains for sale on Baker's website. Now, Baker and his TV show did not respond to a request for comment, but the Washington Post quoted a statement it received from the company saying, We believe in Optivita Silver Solution because of the research and the advice from medical professionals that we respect. Public health scares tend to dredge up hucksters selling fraudulent products and the novel coronavirus now linked to more than 3,000 deaths worldwide is no different. But as health authorities scramble to contain the disease named COVID-19, regulators face a daunting task, preventing illegal, potentially unsafe products from being sold to consumers as a cure for the disease. Social media companies and online retailers also have significant challenges when it comes to policing false ads and fake products. So all of this you must, must be aware of so that, you know, like the guy that took the fish tank cleaner 
thinking that that was going to cure his virus and he ended up dying. I mean, that's, that's just sad that that happened. And he could have probably just recovered on his own. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, these people are out there and you have to be vigilant in looking out for yourself, unfortunately. Now, the, another type of sort of, I guess, scamming is the price gouging that has been going on on Amazon. Um, Amazon's been trying to crack down on that, but, you know, uh, they can only do so much. So here is a, uh, here's some audio from a video that was posted by CNBC. It's called Price Gouging on Amazon, Sellers Squeeze Consumers Looking for Coronavirus-Related Goods. So let's take a listen. Prices almost always lead to some instances of price gouging, and it's happening now online, with Amazon sellers squeezing people looking for coronavirus-related goods. But Amazon says it's trying to push back. Major suppliers such as Target and Walmart are virtually sold out of medical face masks and hand sanitizer, causing prices to skyrocket on third-party retail sites. A box of 20 3M face masks that normally retails for about $14 at Walmart is being offered by a third-party seller for nearly 10 times that on Amazon. On eBay, a two-ounce bottle of hand sanitizer is selling for about $25, nearly 40 times more than it sells for at Target. When asked about this price gouging on Wednesday, President Trump said it is a concern. If you tell me that's happening, we would definitely investigate. We don't want that. In a statement, Amazon told CNBC in part, there is no place for price gouging on Amazon. We are disappointed that bad actors are attempting to artificially raise prices on basic need products. In response, Amazon has removed tens of thousands of offers from its site and continues to monitor its store for violations. And eBay just released a statement saying eBay has been employing a combination of digital and manual surveillance tools to remove products marketed with the term coronavirus, which violates our policies regarding making unsubstantiated health claims. We are also taking action to mitigate the inflated price of masks listed on the site. All right, so that is going to do it with for our uh, coronavirus scam portion of the show and I hope uh, at least one person gets educated by that because you know unfortunately there's just bad people out there and they just don't care how they get your money if they got to scare you if they've got to trick you they'll do it unfortunately so on we go to consumer buying habits during the coronavirus uh, crisis here um I have a audio from a video that was posted by CNBC. It's entitled, How Coronavirus Could Affect Consumer Buying Habits. So let's go ahead and take a listen. The coronavirus has investors spooked and also has many consumers running to stock up on goods. Retail expert Jan Niffen has been surveying stores, did that a lot over the weekend, and he joins us right now with his findings. And Jan, it's good to see you. Good to see you. All right, so let's talk about this. I, I saw some news report over the weekend where 76% of people said they'd like to stay away from malls. 
versus 75 percent who said they'd like to stay away from public transportation. I don't know. You kind of weigh being in a crowded subway car versus being in a Macy's. I think I might take the latter. But what did you see over the weekend as you were out and shopping and uh, checking things out? Melissa, I was on Metro North and the subway and in two <laughs> malls. So I guess, you know, my <laughs> odds are like zero of getting through this. But the malls were empty. Yeah. I was down at Hudson Yard. I was at Danbury Fair. And, you know, empties it pejorative term, but it was very light as far as the people that were there. I was also at Costco and Stop and Shop, and it was literally the busiest I've ever seen the Costco I was in, and it's never busy at the end of February. I mean, it's like very normal at the end of February. You're supposed to be able to drive in and park. There's supposed to be shopping carts. There was neither. I literally had to drive around the parking lot till somebody pulled out to park. That's never happened to me in all the trips I've ever made to this particular Costco, including at Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's not just that Costco. There were reports over the weekend it, everywhere. It was all Hawaii the Costco's. Hawaii to the West Coast to the East Coast. They were, there were people were out and stocking up. I, I guess that's a normal consideration when people start to get fearful. They want to make sure they stock up in case there are, are, are supply issues down the road. And it was also Walmart and Target. And the stop and shop was just decimated. Like, Every cleaning product out of the aisle, gone. But there was the same story at Costco. Literally, they were buying rice, packaged rice, at such a rate that the shop people, or people who were stocking the store, bring it out, park it in the aisle instead of putting it on the shelves, and people were just putting it in their carts. And every cart, when I got there, was gone. When you, all the carts are gone at Costco, that's a pretty busy day. So, so what, it was pretty amazing. What, what does that mean? I mean, this is a, a dramatic few days that you're going to see people stocking up. Does this actually matter to the bottom lines of any of these companies? Oh, I don't think this is a few days. I think you're going to see this go on for a long time. Remember 2009 when we had the swine flu, HN, H1N1? Vaguely. 60 million people in America were, come, came down with the swine flu over a one-year period. Mm -hmm. 275,000 of them got hospitalized and 12,000 of them, 13,000 of them died. Mm -hmm. This thing may not look like that, but right now people think it's going to look like that. We could see this stocking up going on for quite a while because this could cycle through as each new part of the country comes under the... What does that mean for the supply chain, just in terms of this becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy? If people are out stocking up, then it means that the shortages are more likely to happen. Yeah, it's like when everybody filled their tank with gas back in 1973, right? And all the gas was gone. It was all in people's tanks of their cars. We're going to see that. The stores I was in, literally, I asked people, the children's aisle was, the children's um, aisle for flu and cough and cold medicine was completely gone. There was nothing there. So I asked, are you bringing more out from the back? And they said, we don't have any more to bring out from the back. When I got to the pasta aisle, only organic expensive pasta was left. All the regular pasta was gone. So I said, are you bringing it out from the back? Nope, it's just whatever's here is what's here. So will they replenish? Sure. But the supply chains will get strained. And we also know that some things that come out of China, the supply chain's already strained. And so we're going to see more and more of that. But it, it's just an interesting phenomenon. When we talked to Walmart about what was happening in China, remember, they kept all their stores open. So they had a really good database. They said the mix of what people bought completely changed. And deliveries skyrocketed. Well, deliveries will skyrocket here. And this will be a change to consumers' habits. Because once you start buying online, you don't stop buying online. And once you buy a product online, 
you keep buying the product online. And that's happened with every cohort in the economy that's and an every product. Point, because once they have your credit card information, once you figure out how to use it, once it gets easier. So who is that good news for? They, that's really good, good news Walmart. if you're Amazon. It's really good news if you're Walmart. It's really good news if you're Target. And it's really good news if you're Costco. All the same people, right? They've got the supply chains. They've got the databases. They've got the delivery capability. They can make it all happen. So for people who are less strong, if you will, in the ability to deliver the product to the customer, they're going to lose. All right. So that was, I guess, at the end of February he was talking about. We're about a month later. And uh, yes, people have been complaining about the empty shelves, uh, bread, eggs, toilet paper, but there is some good news. Um, this was posted in the Wall Street Journal, written by the editorial board, and it's called The Great Toilet Paper Scare. Those empty supermarket shelves should soon start to disappear. President, the governors, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and medical experts have given us little good news these last few weeks, but thanks to the magic of free enterprise, um, there is one fear we can alleviate. The idea that America is running out of toilet paper. The scare is leading to some unusual behavior and more than typical hoarding. In Florida, where else? Police arrested a man after a security guard for an Orlando Marriott found him with 66 rolls of the hotel's toilet paper in his car. Nebraska's Department of Transportation said it would close down unintended rest stops along I-80 because drivers were pilfering rolls. In North Carolina, deputies trailed a stolen 18-wheeler to a warehouse where they learned it was being used to transport 18,000 pounds of toilet paper and other bathroom paper products. Meanwhile, in London, members of the Eltham Terrace Club played a game of power using toilet paper rolls instead of cash because of the increasing value. It's true that many local supermarkets still feature empty aisles that were until recently filled with rolls of Scott and Charmin. Others limit sales to one or two packs at a time. But industry experts say there is no shortage, that their supply lines continue to run, and that once people see they have what they need and will be able to get more, the shelves will start to fill again. After all, it's not the use of toilet paper that's going up. And sooner or later, people with a closet filled with 100 rolls are going to realize they don't need more. People should worry about the supply of ventilators, breathing masks, and protective gear for healthcare workers, but relax about the toilet paper. So, that is good news. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, once they know that they have enough like the hundred rolls they're not gonna need any more so people uh, I mean there'll be more and more on the shelves right so unfortunately it's like you know again with the scammers some people are looking out for themselves and you know when they hoard the toilet paper and somebody asks hey can I have a package of the toilet paper and they say no this is all mine, you know, it, that's not a way to behave in a crisis, you know. But I'm a big believer that what comes around goes around. What you put out there, you get back. So if you're a scammer or you you hoard stuff away from other people, you know, you might not 
see the results tomorrow or next week, but eventually, you know, it will come. I, I truly believe that. All right, so here is a company that is uh, pretty innovative, actually. And they are small companies, so they can't pump out as much of these as they probably would like. But here's an article. It's from the Wall Street Journal. Lacking ventilators, hospitals seek out alternate, uh, alternate devices by Mark Merrimont. And actually, it's seek out alternative device. Now, there's an oxygen device made by a small company in Texas, which is being modified to treat coronavirus patients. But uh, C-Long Medical Systems can't ship them out fast enough to meet demand. Some U.S. hospitals preparing for a shortage of ventilators for COVID-19 patients are modifying oxygen devices usually used for decompression, sickness, or foot ulcers to assist patients who will need help breathing. Massachusetts General Hospital, the University of Chicago Medical Center, the hospitals of the University of Pennsylvania, and others are trying to stock up on the device, which the Food and Drug Administration has approved for use in hyperbaric medicine in which parents or patients are put in a high-pressure oxygen environment to treat various conditions. One Hitch, a small U.S. company, Seelong Medical Systems, Inc., that makes the hyperbaric medicine devices, uh, are deluge, or is deluged with orders and can't fill them. Another U.S. maker of hyperbaric helmets, Amron International, Inc., said it started hearing from hospitals a few days ago and quickly ran some tests on its products to see if it could work for the COVID-19 treatment. The predicament highlights the ways some American hospitals are trying to improvise amid a looming shortage of supplies to treat a deluge of coronavirus patients, including life-saving ventilators. The C-Long device resembles a primitive spacesuit helmet sealed at the neck, with a plastic bell that fits over the head and hoses coming comes in and out. Some doctors have used it to treat diabetic foot ulcers, for example, by increasing oxygen in the blood to promote healing. The most severely ill COVID-19 patients have such trouble breathing that they are put on a ventilator, an invasive therapy that involves inserting a tube into the patient's windpipe. But the surge of patients has stirred concerns about a shortage of ventilators. In addition, ventilated patients risk infections and other negative side effects. For less severely ill patients, doctors prefer to deliver extra oxygen via non-invasive devices such as face masks or nasal tubes. The helmets do essentially the same thing, but they can be worn around the clock, unlike face masks, which can cause ulcers. And they can be fitted with a filter to keep virus-filled breath mist from leaking out into the hospital environment. On the negative side, helmets are extremely noisy inside. And if doctors add humidity, the patients may not be able to see well. Some American doctors learned about the helmet device from Italy, where a more advanced version has long been used to treat severe breathing problems. Italian doctors report successfully using the device to treat some COVID-19 patients. But the Italian device, called a helmet CPAP, isn't approved for sale in the U.S. by the FDA. Its main maker says it has tripled production, but the Italian government has forbidden its export amid the country's own battle with the pandemic. And here's what Hertz is doing to help 
um, the crisis hurts to offer free rental vehicles to help healthcare workers by Mike Coleus. This was in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Hertz Global Holdings, Inc., awash in idle rental cars as the travel industry grinds to a halt from the coronavirus outbreak, is offering free rental vehicles to help healthcare workers get to their jobs. Hertz said it will begin the program this week in New York City, which has emerged as the epicenter of the nation's COVID-19 outbreak. So, for people who have to take the bus or have to take the subway, they don't want to do that and get contaminated. Like Lindsay Davis, who works at a child life specialist in the neonatal intensive care unit at Mount Sinai Hospital, will be among the first workers to take a free rental. She normally commutes 50 minutes by subway and bus to and from her home in Brooklyn. And so this is a way to minimize my exposure to the coronavirus, Miss Davis said. All right. So that'll about do it for our show. And I want to remind you again to let you know that there is a special show coming up on Tuesday, uh, March 31st at 6 p.m. called Community Forum with Diane Rebecca, in which we will be taking phone calls on your comments and your experiences during this COVID-19 crisis. Things we would want to know about are... Things like, are you home with your kids now and how is that going? What are you teaching them? Uh, how are the kids adapting? And if you own your own business, how are you going to recover? And if you work in a business that's shut down, are you signing up for unemployment? And how do you feel about not being at work? Um, things like, do you wish the Pirates are playing? And how did you feel about the NCAA March Madness tournament being canceled? Now, I'm aware that the Pirates are average or whatnot normally. So how are they going to perform without any practice? Are they going to be worse? Or, you know, do you want to talk about that? So call us, right? Call the studio line at 412 412- Three eight five seven four five zero, and let me just start this here. Uh, again, call the studio line at four one two three eight five seven four five zero Tuesday, March thirty first, between six p.m. and seven p.m. And let's talk about it, right? So, if you've got anything to say about the COVID COVID nineteen, here is your chance. Again. Call the studio line 412-385-7450 Tuesday, March 31st at uh, between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. And let's see what is on your mind. All right. So this uh, marks the end of the show, I suppose. If you have any ideas of any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report, and I did not get a chance to do the weekly recalls this show, so I do post them on my Facebook page at Consumer Review Report. If you are at all concerned about those recalls, they are all posted, and I try to keep that up to date as well on my Facebook page at Consumer Review Report. I'm also on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Again, I just want to remind you to come um, March 31st at 6 p.m. We'll be 
talking about the COVID-19. Uh, your comments and experiences are welcome, so call the studio line at 412-385-7450. Tuesday, March 31st, between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. And let's uh, see what your comments are, your experiences. Um, you know, they, they could help other people, so help other people. Also, uh, if you have any comments of what you heard on the show today, you can also email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc., And it's heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca, wishing everyone a safe and good week.